got up and left, so I don't, I don't, I didn't hear your story or anything like that, but I was sensing that the Lord had something for you today among us, and that we're supposed to pray for you. My son turned to me, and he pulled out a $10 bill that he found in his pocket, and he said, I didn't even know this was here, and I felt like that's the word of the Lord for you, is that he wants to pull kingdom cash out of your pot vision for you today mm. and I just I have great respect for you I, d I don't even know you mm. but I felt like you are a holy woman of God mm. who spends time before him and that today he wants to stir up vision I saw some kind of vision that was coming to you even this morning the Lord says it's from him and I heard him say you have a heart for the poor and the widow and the orphan, and you've moved God's heart. I see you sitting at the feet of Jesus, and it's like that's where you draw your life. I kept seeing uh, your passport being stamped, and the Lord is going, giving you something that you're going to take all over the world and to different churches, and it's because you're humble. You humble yourself before God, and I see it touching young people. I don't know what, I just kept seeing a Heidi Baker, which I don't really know that much about her, <laughs> but I kept seeing the impact, and it, it involves the people that move God's heart, but also I kept seeing water, like you're going to help bring very practical things to people. The Lord's downloading a kingdom vision to you, and it's very significant, and he's going to provide the right people so that you don't go at it alone. He's going to, and I kept seeing, I, I'm just going to speak this out, but just like the $10 bill, there's something significant that's going to happen. There's something key about October the 10th month, and I don't, is there anything significant already in October? I saw October and February, so you can file that away. Does that mean any, is there anything in October or February for you or no? I looked at Chris, well, God revealed on his very sick leg. Okay, he's very sick right now. Okay, why don't we do this? Would you, would you mind standing? I want some people to get around her and just pray. I, I feel like it's, an honor for us <laughs> to pray for. So Lord, we thank you for this woman that you love. And we ask for a fresh anointing and encouragement for her today. Ask you to touch her husband. circle around. You can just pray. Pray. We'll just sit here for a moment. God's doing something.
finish up here. Sometimes God does audibles, right? This wasn't in the plan today, but that's okay, isn't it? Because when the New Testament church gathered together, they expected the king to be there and they expected the Holy Spirit to move. And so Paul's answer to that was just as long as it's orderly, do it. If the Holy Spirit is speaking and wants to touch one of the, the members of the body or speak, so we make room for that every Sunday. And then we make room for it in our, our groups and our week. So this is a, a special sister of ours. And so we want to encourage her and see the Holy Spirit. I, I just want to add too, there's something new springing forth for you. So uh, someone came up and gave me Isaiah 43 and that's, that's for you. There's something new springing up in, in your life. And it, it comes out of hard time, but comes out of the desert, but the Lord is, is gracious to you. We also talked about this last week. If we're going to make space for hearing from God and saying uh, what we sense the Lord saying, we don't do it dogmatically, do we? It's not thus saith the Lord and it's kind of heavy handed. We, we say, we sense the Lord saying this. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says that the Holy Spirit is like a fire moving among you. Don't quench the spirit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. And then along with that, he says, don't despise prophetic words. In other words, embrace the prophetic. And then he says, test everything. Hold on to what's good. So those are the things that we're going to be practicing. We're going to let the Spirit's fire come, and we're going to not despise the prophetic, but embrace it, and then test everything and hold on to what is good. How does that sound? Good. Sound good? Yeah. All right, well, we are delighted this morning to have Brad sharing, aren't we? Yeah. Glad to hear from Brad Woo! Kilman this morning. I certainly am. And what we want to do, if you look at the handout here, we are in the second part of our series on vision and values. Last week we looked at the overall mission and values and read some of the vision. So what I want us to do is look at our mission here so that we get used to this. This is what we're going to pray into and live into in this, the coming days. And it is this, we are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. So last week we looked at formation. This week we're going to talk about worship. And worship fuels everything that we are and all that we do. And this flows out of Brad's heart. This is who Brad is. So really, I've got a few questions here. We may deviate from the script. But I want you to be able to hear a little bit about Brad's journey in worship. This is in his bone marrow. So he will get to share from his heart on this. And then I want him, as one of the leaders of the church, to be able to say where he sees the Lord taking us in worship. So that's my first question, Brad, is what do you see God doing here at our Lord's in and through worship? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, that's a great question, Brock. <laughs> and actually, because we prepared for this, I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> I may have some sneaky ones. <laughs> Um, I, I just need to tell you, by the way, this is like, uh, there's been some, um, uh, 
just this is by way of introducing myself, <laughs> or at least some of the things that I'm thinking about upon today, uh, it's that I, the Lord has been speaking to me about uh, like this word teaching or this, you know, kind of like he's going to push me out a little bit. Um, I don't like that. Uh, uh, I don't like that idea at all. I know some of you are, uh, can identify with being afraid of public speaking. You might not think that's true in me, but as long as I have a guitar that I can hide behind and as long as I can sing, I'm fine. Uh, if you make me do this right now, this is, this is terrifying to me. So, uh, but at the same time, because I feel God's call in it, he gives me a certain sense of goodness and rightness um, and pleasure in it. So even as I'm here before you, I'm just like, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you that I get to be here. Um, but again, I, I, I'll promise I'm not going to just like constantly reference about how terrified I am. Uh, I'll just need to get that out of the way so you know. Why don't you uh, even read the, the piece there from the mission statement? Because yeah. that comes from your heart. You crafted that okay. as one of the leadership team members. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So this is, again, uh, referencing our, our mission, vision, values document about worship. Um, we make space to encounter God's active presence together. And uh, that is, yeah. Yep. So under, under um, the worship value, and that's one of the things that really, um, I feel like as we met to discuss mission, vision, and values, one of the things that came out really quickly was some of this language about worship. I think because um, it, really, it really is the way that I think about how would I describe our community of worship? What are some of the uh, distinctives or what is something that I really want us to pursue together? And the idea of making space to encounter God together is something that we all just resonated with. We knew that's right. There's something about um, the way that we will pursue musical worship and just worship together, com community worship together, is going to be the sense that we want to encounter the presence of God, right? Um, even as I say that, I go, wow, that is amazing. I can't control that right? Can any of you control that experience? Can we decide exactly what that's going to look like or how God will move in our hearts collectively or even individually? We can't. Um, but what must be present in our worship is that we communicate hunger and thirst for Jesus together and we anticipate his good presence. And we are ready to go as he leads us. And so one of the things that you might notice that that might be a little bit different the way we do it here because, and this is something I'm passionate about, in music, I love exploring kind of like windows of opportunity to sing a new song to God, even in front of you guys, when I don't know what I'm about to sing. I have no idea. And uh, many of you are very comfortable with this, um, but um, some, it may be very new and strange, but that's part of the living out of, you know what, God, you could suddenly um, influence a moment in worship and expose an idea or something that we're supposed to now start to sing together that was not in the script. And so again, like, uh, I think it's important to me that we don't over script our worship sets, you know, like we plan out, we will always have a good plan. And I think that's really good, but um, we're not just going to sing the plan every time perfectly because it's just filled with theological truth. It's good. We want there to be this component of, no, we're here to meet a person, a living God. Yeah, and he may edit our plans. He may change our plans. And I sure hope he does. You know, I mean, I, 
that's what I hope for more than anything. On that note, I have unscripted questions for you right now. Oh, man. Uh, so, and even that, that's in Scripture. So David talks about a new song, and then Paul talks about spiritual songs that are downloaded for the church as they worship. You mentioned, Brad, along this line, making space to encounter. We were talking about the burning bush incident in Exodus 3. Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I love that the, the scriptures are filled with uh, people, historical people, actual people, sons and daughters of God, encountering him in very specific and very powerful ways. And I love also that the Bible never says at some point in history, I will stop doing that with my sons and with my daughters. He never says that. And so it's awesome because now when I read the Bible, I can see this specific encounter of God breaking into somebody's life, changing their life forever, changing the course of their life, changing their vocation, changing possibly everything about them in a moment. And I think that's amazing. That's the kind of anticipation we have when we meet him. Uh, and so I, I do love just the classic uh, and powerful story of Exodus 3 um, of Moses uh, just, I think, taking care of sheep or taking just out in the desert. Um, I wrote some of this out. I'm just going to go ahead and read a little bit uh, because I want to see the scripture. Uh, I'll feel better if you get at least a uh, more exact reference of what happens in this story. You all know it, though. I'm sure of it. Most of my children already know it by now, too. Uh, Exodus 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said... This is what I love. And actually, when I was reading this again in preparation for this, I was surprised by what I read. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, he called to him out of the bush. Um, you know the rest, but, well, actually, no, I just want to read this. I'm sorry. Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And um, the thing that caught my eye, and I'm going to tie this to a story in my own life in a second probably, um, that I noticed about this story for the first time was he, he, he put his presence, he put it through an angel, he put his presence into a bush in the form of a fire, but the, but the bush was not burning up. And, and He's just going about his business, Moses is, and he sees this sight, and he's like, wow, that's interesting, and he turns his attention to it, and then he goes to look at it, and it wasn't until he turned aside to see this thing, and God says he noticed he turned aside, and then he spoke to him, and so I just, I've always thought, he's walking around, and he just hears this voice, Moses, Moses, and this just kind of a misunderstanding. It's a small detail, I'm a details guy, but I think it's interesting that he saw this wonder, he turned, he faced this wonder, and he kind of like opened his spirit up in awe to this thing, and then God spoke. I just think that's, there's something in there. I don't know what. Why I do know what. Why don't you share? Because there's a, a powerful personal story on the ski yeah. trip yeah. where you had your own kind of burning bush yeah. experience. I, uh, 
for those of you who don't know, and part of this too is just kind of even opening up a little bit of me as a, I was one of the pastors on staff here, just letting, I know we have a lot of new people too, so I just want to give you a little bit of history about who I am and I grew up at this church. I've only been at two churches my whole life, this one and Bridgeway. Love both churches. Strange circumstances that God has kind of moved me around. But I'm back here and have been for five or six years now. I grew up in the youth group here, went on ski trips every year. One of those ski trips, um, I had a burning bush moment. I had a moment of meeting God that was so powerful. It changed my life in a, in a literal second. I was a different person. And... Uh, uh, so anyway, th- just very quickly, I was uh, listening to a series of messages that week. Some, something was stirring in my heart. I didn't know what. I left the lodge one night after this message. I just knew something is stirring in my heart. What is happening? I don't know, but Lord, you're, you're, you're getting my attention. And I was thinking about Jesus, his, his, the totality of his love for me, some just new things. I had already given my life to the Lord as like a five-year-old, six-year-old in my parents' closet. Uh, so, I, I, you know, this isn't a question to figure out when I was saved or not. Who cares? <laughs> I don't really um, care about that. But this was just a very unique experience. So I'm walking down this path. It's Colorado, mountain sky, clear as you can imagine. And... Uh, I, I am walking down this path, I look up into the sky, and I see the stars in a way that I've never seen them before, and in a moment, I become aware of God's presence like I've never experienced, and I heard him tell me, I love you, I'm with you, I will never leave you, and I just began to burst into tears, like I just, there was no holding it back, there was just a sudden awareness of his presence like I had never experienced, and um, I, 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 as I was reading the Burning Bush story, I think that's one of the reasons I noticed that. It's like there was something about me turning my attention to, to his creation. There was something about me turning my attention to the stars. He was stirring something in me, but when I saw something that he created for me, for my pleasure even, for his pleasure, I noticed it, and, and somehow it's like I turned my attention to him, and then he spoke to me in this powerful way that changed me. And again, that's, it's the change that I know. Um, I began to have this appetite to worship God through music, which before that, music was very powerful, and I worshiped many things in, in, in uh, music, but not God. Um, even though I was uh, experimenting with like leading praise and worship songs, stuff like that, my heart really wasn't in it suddenly I had an appetite to be in God's presence and to sing to him in song, and that's never gone away since that moment. Um, In fact, I remember I used to be one of the biggest uh, persecutors of Christian music you could imagine. Uh, Here in youth group, man, I remember, well, just all the classic uh, CCM artists, whether it was DC Talk or Michael W. Smith, or I would just like basically just it just, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. Of course, some of it is pretty cheesy, so it's not even, so here, here, here's the example. Let's, let's do a better example. Um, uh, and actually, some of you may not uh, know who this is. There's a guy named Keith Green. He's from the 70s. Um, he really does, like, if you don't know his music or if you don't know 70s piano, it kind of can sound pretty cheesy. I used to literally ridicule people who would listen to him, and this one girl would always try to get me to listen to it, and I was like, that is just so terrible. He became my absolute favorite artist of all time after this moment. And it was because there was something in the spirit of the way he was singing to God and this prophetic kind of call 
to the church, and it was very worshipful, and I just, I became alive to it. I became alive to the Spirit in a new way, so it's just, it was radical change, honestly. It's like that moment, I love you, I'm with you, I'll never leave you, is what you do with us on Sunday, isn't it? It was like something put in your heart there that you carry with you now. Yeah. Yeah. Even flowing from this, right, Mm -hmm. making space to encounter God's active presence, we talked a little bit about at our Lord's how we value team building. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't just about you doing worship or Mm -hmm. you could fill in the blank, but you actually have a desire to model worship Mm -hmm. and then draw other people and Mm -hmm. raise up some other worship leaders. Can you talk about that? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, this is something that I have a, a, just a, really just a budding and a growing passion for. It's really as I see, okay, now as I'm a part of this team and one of the things that is in our heart in a major way is to make sure that church never becomes about looking at one person, celebrating their gift, being ministered to by their gift, and that's why we come. We don't want, to, we don't want it to be that way. We don't believe the church is meant to function that way. So there is a sense in which we want to constantly constantly be watching and blessing the gifts of all the people in the body. And so um, I am personally growing in that, you know, uh, even as I think about that, I think I have, that's, that's one of the things that I've probably spent the least amount of my time doing as a worship leader is actually developing new worship leaders or giving myself to teach and train. Even as I thought about it um, for this, I realized that I'm a little bit strange when it comes to teaching because, what I, and I think God's put, me, put this in me, but I'm kind of passionate about first showing, uh, then being real wordy and explaining or not, not teaching a lot, but just like I want, I want to I want to show you when you're on my team, even, and, and I may frustrate, I probably frustrated Colt, maybe Colt and Claire a lot whenever I first came here because um, I tend to be a little bit just like, I don't explain what we're doing or where we're going or where I want the song to go. I just start doing it. And I just like, follow me, just follow me. Just, you'll figure it out. And some of that is, I think, right and good. But, but what I'm learning now is God has wanted me to follow back around uh, with more words, with more sense of understanding and explaining. Why do you do it that way? What's going on? What's the purpose? And so if I do have a purpose or a way that I want to lead the body in worship, that I want to lead us through songs, there are reasons why. And, and I'm a little bit late in kind of like kind of developing a little bit of a theology of worship. And that's one of the things that's really good about this season right now for me, even here, is it's like sometimes I think God thrusts you into a position of leadership maybe before you think you're ready. Um, and then in doing so, it's like suddenly you rise to the challenge and you begin to do new things that you didn't used to do, and it's for the sake of, you know, others. So, I know we're going to come back to that at the end. Too. Yeah. Um, and you're going to pray for us as worshipers. And mm-hmm. we were talking about this. We have many worship leaders among us. We may have some five-year-olds, mm-hmm. maybe some 11-year-olds who are going to be leading worship. So we definitely want to make space for that. By the way, Colt is crying. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, buddy. There's some deep hurt. The second question here is, Brad, how does worship fuel and inform who we are and what we do here at mm-hmm. Lord, including joining Jesus on mission? Right. Talk about yeah. Um, I, I think very, very simply, and I, this is pretty, uh, you know, in my mind and heart, it's, it's real basic that, that where you retreat back to when you start t- talking about worship is really the first commandment in Scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, um, soul, mind, and strength. Um, 
And so worship is, is one of the primary ways that we kindle our own affections for God. It's how we continue to remember that he is great, he is beautiful, he is what everything is about. And if we don't spend time worshiping and kindling that, then we can forget those things. It's like something that we practice, but it's, um, it's also a very mysterious thing. It's like, it's like trying to describe worship, even though I, you know, and I've been pouring through systematic theology books and scriptures and things like that, and it, it's still, different people will describe it in different ways. Um, uh, but it's, it, it, this is what, this is what, and I, I've already forgot your question because I'm now I'm on a tangent, but um, here, I'm just going to keep going with this thought. Yeah. So worship fuels everything uh, because worship is really the first reason why we were made. So I, I think about a scripture that has always meant a lot to me uh, from the New Testament, First Peter 2, 9. And it is, uh, I think I put it in there. You can put it up if you find it. If not, don't worry about it. Um, it's going to be... Um, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. There's this idea, and this is also communicated uh, through Moses, through the story of Moses, I believe, where God says to Pharaoh later on in Exodus, I think it's Exodus 7, he says to Pharaoh or about Pharaoh, I want you to let my people go so that they can worship me in the desert. And there's this idea that God has made us to worship him, like, as a primary function. And so when we worship him, when we praise him, when we declare his excellencies, we are joining a created purpose that if we don't do that, we are missing. We are not doing what we were created to do. And so I just love it because it's like reducing life down to what's, what's the most important thing you can do today? Well, the most important thing is worship God praise him, remember him, give your life to him. And so everything else really must flow out of that. If you don't do that, how can you want to bring somebody else into that kind of a relationship on mission? You may be naturally very passionate about meeting needs of other people, but if it doesn't flow out of worship to God, then it's really, it, it may seem good, but it's not ultimately good. And uh, so, yeah. You made this phrase, Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah, I like it. Yeah, I'll have to write that down. A uh, third question here. How's everybody doing? <laughs> doing okay? I love hearing what's in his heart. Um, this one's really serious. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Why do you crack jokes and laugh so much? Oh, man. Really? Yeah, that is right there. Great acting, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I think, so the, the true answer is just because God made me that way. Uh, but, I, but I realize um, I, I like it in the context of worship, too, because I think that there's a certain uh, tendency that uh, I think, I don't know, I guess just about any art form or any kind of like... Uh, I guess even a, even a preacher, teacher, musician, anybody can kind of take themselves too seriously. And I think even the idea of taking, uh, worship is a serious thing and praise is a serious thing, but it's also we're missing something if we don't see the joyful uh, heart of the Father. And so, uh, so I guess that's why I joke, because I want you guys to know that God is also kind of funny. 
and, uh, and he is joyful, and there is something that, that is hap- that's happy about God, and uh, I want us to understand that. You reference one of your favorite passages from the prophet Zephaniah yeah. 17. Yeah, read that? okay. Yeah, love this. Um, for those of you who uh, maybe still struggle, you know, we all have uh, fathers of all different kinds, you know, na- in the natural world. And some of us really struggle whenever we see scriptures about what the father is like. Uh, maybe if we didn't have a father that was like that. I, I personally had a, a wonderful father who really helps me understand the love of God. Um, but I know that that's not the case for everybody. And, and there's so many different ways. But as much as I can exhort you and encourage you, I just want us to always get our uh, view of the Father. And again, I know that we all have stuff to get through, but we always have to look at the Scripture to see what is God like. What is He like? And I love that we have this in Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love, and He will exult over you with loud singing God exults over us with loud singing. And um, one, of my, uh, one of my absolute mentors from afar is a guy named Dennis Jernigan. For those of you who don't know, that's actually the father of our sound man, Ezra Jernigan, <laughs> who's not here this morning. That's the only reason I'm doing that, because he hates it when I do this. Uh, and I used to always do that thing where, uh, you know, when you're related to a famous person and you kind of lose your identity yourself, <laughs> like you're just known as so-and-so's son, or I used to do that to him on purpose. He's crying too. So he's oh. Kind of... oh, you know, that's back to my funniness. Until you realize your funniness is kind of wounding people and then you got to stop. Uh, and that's what I, I'm not kidding, I really had to do that with Ezra because I realized that's actually kind of mean. Uh, but I still am kind of like, I am so enamored with Dennis Jernigan and I still kind of get nervous around Ezra and I've been around him for years now. I got to stop myself from talking about Dennis. Anyway, the whole point of that was uh, Dennis Jernigan really talked about this scripture a lot and I think on one of his famous records that I used to listen to all the time he really talked about it and there's more translations and other other ways that this psalm is translated and he, and he, and he talks about imagining God spinning wildly over him you know almost like this dancing joyful spinning shouting loud singing father and it's all in this excitement over his children and so the more we get that, the more we enter into that, the more we're drawn into that, you know, as opposed to just thinking he, um, he's only a consuming fire, and that's the only, and he is a consuming fire, uh, and that's another point that I want to bring up later on when we talk maybe about scripture stuff, is I've got a point about that, but I'm going to save it. We're right where we need to be. Good. Okay. Sure. Uh, the, the, the one, when Brock asked me this, the first one that came to my mind is one that I read early on. Actually, Brock recommended it to me back when I was in college. It's called Desiring God by John Piper. Um, I just, and I, I was reading back through it again recently, and he said some really um, powerful things about worship. And so the, the, the general premise of the book is God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And so it's this idea that I need to be deeply satisfied in God, and when he fulfills all of my longings, 
um, all of my desires and I realize my joy is in him, then he gets more glory. He's glorified in that process. And that's why that's, you know, he loves that. So, so it's kind of a foundational theological premise for worship is really all about God. And we are happy in God. We are joyful when we find our joy in him, the most joyful. So I would say that. Good book to read if you haven't read it before. You yeah. should probably stock it out on the yeah. shelf there. Do you want to mention a couple other scriptures? Or do you want to do this last question? Uh, let's see here. It might lead to that. I'm going to ask a question. Go ahead. What can we do, Brad, to further cultivate worship in our yeah. daily lives? So yeah. we've talked about worship leading some, but I, just the thought that we're all worshipers, what would you say as mm-hmm. our pastor, what can we do to cultivate worship? Yeah. Um, so let me just make sure I don't go way off script here. <clears throat> The, the first thing that I um, that comes to my mind, and okay, so I'm just going to go super practical on this one, because this is something that I've found in my own life to be very helpful to me, is there's this thing called uh, the Word of God, which is referred to as the sword of the Spirit, and and also the way I think about it in worship music is, um, or even when I'm leading corporate worship time or leading anybody in worship, if, I, if my mind and heart is empty in any way of specific scriptures, then it's like there's this lack of fire in the room or happening. I'm not saying I control fire. I'm just saying it's like scripture, truth about God, actually things that he says about him and that he said is eternal and living and sharper than any two-edged sword um, is fuel for worship. It's the sword of the Spirit. If you want to have power in the Spirit, give it, give it the words of, that are in the Bible. And so that's all a big intro for memorize Scripture. Memorize it. I think it's so powerful. And I know that, like, even as I say that, I know that there may be some people in here who are from possibly even abusive uh, traditions of church that are maybe hyper traditional and you have to do lots of things to kind of like even be seen as measuring up and so I know memorizing scripture may seem like a heavy religious thing to do why should you have to do that anymore I mean after all we just received the love of Jesus and we do the things that he does but why do we need to do that well I'm just telling you like I'm sure Jesus memorized way more scripture than I ever will and I love to think about doing it that way just because even it's following the example of Jesus. But certainly, it gives you so much fire to call upon in your mind, heart, spirit, body when you need it. But if you don't have it in there, um, I, your worship will be like less potent, less fueled. You know, you'll have less to call on in your affections as you're at the feet of Jesus telling him who he is and why you love him and why you're so thankful for him. And so when we memorize scripture, we, um, we pack that stuff away and then we can call upon it, you know, by the power of the spirit and um, in moments when it's amazing how much uh, life and joy and power comes whenever you have that. And uh, I have been in seasons, I'm not just like constantly memorizing scripture, but I've been in seasons where I, I do it and I just notice grace from God whenever I've given myself to it. So I don't want that to be a heavy word. I don't want that to be a, you guys should do this. 
I just want to encourage us to do it together um, and watch the fruit of just being saturated by the living, breathing words of God. It is the fire, and then it's like dumping gasoline on the fire. Right. It changes us. Yeah. Every day. A little more. Meditating. Yeah. Hopefully you're hearing that. Shot through our mission, our values, our vision. We are Bible people. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no better thing to give yourself Can I just do one more exhortation really quick? <laughs> uh, one other exhortation that I want to give you, and this, this is uh, it's something that came into my heart and mind uh, even this morning as I was thinking about you guys and thinking about the church, if I'm going to encourage us to do something. I had this, I had this uh, picture of me in my car, getting in my car, quickly turning on sports radio, which I absolutely love to do. I love it. I just like, especially in like big seasons where like thunder stuff is happening and OU stuff's happening. I just love listening to everything. And then I'll find myself even like listening when it's some obscure topic that I don't care or know anything about. I just listen, 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 listen all the time. How dumb is that? But I, I love it. And I heard the Lord's, he just reminded me about silence. He reminded me about what cultivates worship in my own heart sometimes is really going, letting, letting there be not just noise in my life. And I just felt like there's something we need to hear, be intentional about removing noise and practicing silence, practicing not always resorting to noise. And that's, that's another thing. I think there's something about we don't, we're not aware as much of the presence of Jesus whenever we're constantly filling that space. And so my exhortation is also practice emptying out the noisy things. Noisy things is definitely not sports radio for all of you, but. I'm glad you're the only one in the room. <laughs> no one else listens to podcasts. All that stuff's good. Right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. No, things. yeah. This, this is an invitation. Just as you're saying that, I'm just hearing him say, how much of me do you want? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm realizing my appetite wane. Like I'll notice, I, I I'm not as hungry and thirsty, at least that I can taste of the Lord's presence when I'm so satisfied with this little thing that seems so. I don't know, entertaining. Why don't we uh, pray? Why don't you, uh, would everyone stand? And I'm going to ask Brad to pray for us as a people of worship, a community of worship. So Brad's going to pray and then we'll transition into. Mm. Yeah, Father, I, I, I first thank you. Lord, I thank you for um, our Lord's Community Church. I thank you for the people that, you're, that you've brought here. I thank you for teaching us about your presence. I thank you for teaching us about how much you love us and how much you have great things in store for us even today. And Lord, I pray that I pray over this people, I pray over this body, Lord, that you would give us um, a greater appetite to know you and to see you. And I pray not just for the appetite, but Lord, I pray that you would let us see you more clearly. 
I pray that as we see you, we would be changed. And I pray that as we see you, the things of the world, the burdens of the world, the cares, that this is just what will happen if we see you. They will lessen, they will go away. And, and I pray that we would see the brightness of your face, the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Let that be our experience here as we gather to worship you. Lord, I pray that you would remove the veil, anything that keeps us from seeing you, God. Let us see you. Give us hunger and thirst for you, God. We're just going to go ahead and uh, move toward communion here. Um, so if you're.